I, like, wrecking your table here? Oh, I mean... Yeah. A little bit. It's fine. Hmm. Why didn't your cup do that? I don't know. There's stuff you can do to make it not do that. I can't remember what it is yet. To do to get well, the I do have coasters, but... Uh... Well, this well, this is <laughs> I just was looking. Every time I put it down, it was, like, literally giving different marks. Yeah, now that I have this furniture from my Opus place, it's like, oh, I have to be nice to it. You gotta be nice to it. I know. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is stuff that hopefully is solid wood, so the finishing is, like, you can resand it. Those other things aren't as scary. It's I don't definitely... know if you saw outside. I'm trying to do that with my dresser. I saw that. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's, it's so time. much work. Oh yeah, I didn't say it was fun. <laughs> I said you could do it. Yeah. I don't have time for a gay agenda because I'm trying to. Oh, just redo my just trying to live. dresser. Hey, my name is Robin Law, the creator and host of We're Out Here. I myself, I'm a small town queer. I did the thing and moved away in my 20s to a big city, then moved back to my hometown of Smithers, BC on Wet'suwet'en territory during the pandemic. Work life, and you know, the globe, was in a total state of cognitive dissonance. There, I said it. We're Out Here is a podcast about growing up queer in the remote communities of Northern BC. To be clear, we're not focusing exclusively on the hardships, though we don't shy away from them either, but rather the strange and unique experience of living in small towns as a queer person, our experiences, coping mechanisms, celebrating queer joy, and finding our community. I am Robin, and we're out here. I am all the way River Wild today. I use they, them pronouns. I'm a settler. I am polyamorous, gender fluid, queer advocate, Lego enthusiast, coordinator, did I say registered social worker, queerness person. So this podcast is a little about being gay when you live here, Mm -hmm. here being... The north of small communities. Yes. Yeah. And so you even in a smaller place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Even though I came out when I was in the small community, I didn't really, you know, I came out first as a bi and was just a slut to other people. And, uh, and it turned out it was because I so could not attach to the men that I just went through them like a deck of cards. And so it didn't look well because I wasn't connecting with the people. And so until I finally had my first relationship with somebody that was a human that I could connect with, I was like, oh, that's what gay is. That's what it means to be connected with somebody. And so, yeah, when I went down to Victoria and kind of got to build a community and become part of a community, lose communities as they do in the cities. Like there just is a lot more of a quick flip over when I, I got so happy in my gayness and when every time I would come back, there would just be such power in my gayness and, and it would just be a novelty and the, I could accost people with it. Like I could, you know, be in their face and and people would be intense and engaging. And then when I moved back, that somehow became not as fun feeling, became more scary, more invasive, more like, you don't know me. Don't come up and make a comment thinking you know who I'm dating, especially when I came up dating somebody that, you know, presented a certain way and people made assumptions about them. And I was like, oh, you don't actually know about this person. I'm gayer than you think, but okay, we're just going to go with that. And yeah, so then... When I came back here and was wanting to work as a quote-unquote social worker, down south as a social worker, being a lesbian, dykey-looking queer, you got street cred. Like, you were, like, the social worker. Like, that's the look, right? <laughs> and here, I was like, I'm going to offend people. I'm going to stress people out. I'm going to have people 
not be able to look at me in a professional manner. So I, I started closeting in the guise that at work, I'm going to have this work. Like I'm just doing my work thing. I want to be as palatable as possible. I want to be as least political as possible. So the politics don't shut a door on somebody trying to access my services. And it hurt me that I felt that was a thing, but it was a thing. I can't pretend it isn't. And, and then the one reason why I was able to even like stay here was because I started to meet queer others like yourself and Miriam and, and Glenn, just like the CICK kind of crowd and that queerness. And even though if they're not queer themselves, there's just this understanding of fluidity and understanding of community, of of providing those safe spaces for you to be free, right? And so that allowed me to feel like oh, I can stay here and make my friends but they're still basically all like married with children. Mm-hmm. And like, I literally came from like a party life in many ways. Cause I didn't get to be gay younger. So I kind of got to be my gay live in my heydays in my thirties. And then when I discovered polyamory, I was like, Oh my gosh, like this, you know, the sky's the limit. I started to bring men back into my life. Cause I could play with them this way, but I didn't have to do that other element of things. I could just be with people where they wanted to be with at. And then I came up here and I just like, I've basically surrendered to a life of celibacy and if it happens, that'll be amazing. But like, I, that is not a thing. And I am really glad that some research just came out showing that single people, like people that don't have children, are statistically happier. So I'm going to stick with that. <laughs> <laughs> and just be like, that's okay. And I've just recently started to visually present myself as queer again. And that is because of the hate and backlash that happened at Pride and and the stuff that was happening with the global change. So this global stuff that's happening, and all of a sudden my body became political again. Yeah, that really, that hits. Because that's super relatable, I feel. Yeah, so it's that's my thing is, is that, that invisibility and knowing, because I keep getting the pockets of the gays. Like I'll find them and I'll be like, wow. And then I don't see them again for two years. Yeah. <laughs> gone yeah where were they yeah that's the thing too is that just not even having spaces and then I'm finding wanting to create queer events there seems to be some backlash happening in other minority groups when they've tried to do kind of exclusive more exclusive events that the mainstream take it as like othering of them and excluding of them instead of us trying to create that safe space so then that even becomes like a thing where it's like, how do I, if I want to put on a gay event, how do I put out the flags enough that the straights that aren't allies aren't there and that the gays that want to be there know about it and are there and feel safe there and understand that's their space. Because as I said, like the prides and smithers, they're the most hetero prides I have ever been to in my entire life. Mm -hmm. It Mm -hmm. is literally a pride of allies. Mm-hmm. With a sprinkling of gays. And I love that we have so many allies. And yet I'm also like, where's the gays? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, this is our Valentine's. Like, Pride is like, that's like, the. it used to be like the hell for like the singles. Or it was like the excitement. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, we're going to find somebody at Pride, hopefully. And then by the end of Pride, you're like, no, another year of being single. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's fun. I think it's that's partially why I am reluctant to participate in some of the Pride events. Yeah. And then I haven't been to a Pride after party because I'm really nervous about them. Mm-hmm. I'm like, do gay people go to the Pride after party? And they do. 
and not as much as I would like. Yeah. And then it's such a mix. So it'll be people that we don't know because it literally is people coming from like all the way from Prince Rupert to like even Prince George because they're trying to get their gay on too. And then you're like, who are you? Like you, like you can't have a queer and I say queer cause not gay. Like to me, that queer sense of mm-hmm. there's a more vulnerable population in the queer community. I feel like less mainstream passing. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like, and in my mind, that's what I kind of picture. Is like there's a bunch of gays that just pass, mm-hmm. and, and you know, unless you knew their private life, you would have no clue. And then there's the queers. The queers, they're like, we can't even pretend, you know, we're, we're having trouble hiding it, right? So I don't yeah. know. Maybe we're all aust- autistics and ADHD spices. I don't know. Probably, probably are. <laughs> uh, but again, that whole idea of having an event at a place where just anybody can walk in and knowing the energy that can be in this community and the boldness in which of, of outright outwardly hate can happen in this community. It makes those not safe. So I'm just often shocked. I'm like, how can you think you can hold a queer event at a straight place? Like these need to be private parties. They need to be invite private parties or like so gay that the straights don't even want to go near it because there's nothing that interests them at all. But, mm-hmm. they, but yeah, I feel like there's gotta be more gays out there just pop like statistically. Mm-hmm. But it's just where. Yeah. It's like we need to invent a new flagging system. I I must admit, I loved and was exhausted by the, everything that happened around Pride. The why I became so visible. So I'm isolated. I'm back in my home community. I've been here for years. Just like, okay, so closeted and dying inside because of it. I knew it was just in Smithers alone because I've been to all the political things. And I've never been in a place where people so openly talk about killing me. Like literally killing me because of my existence, because of who I want to love, and 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 like the fact that they think that has any that I have any control over that. Do you think if you actually had control over that, you'd be like, no, I'm gonna continually live this existence where like majority of society would like to see me burn in hell? What part of what mm-hmm. are you even thinking? So I'm watching this, and part of me was about to give up, like suicidal. Where you're just, you know, again, it, it wasn't, you know, there was no plan, but there was starting to be this murmur of that might need to happen because this is getting scary. This is horrible. And then I did a big cry video and I was so embarrassed and I publicly posted it and strangers, because it was with strangers and it was only, it wasn't even up for like more than 24 hours. I, I took it down so quickly. But the one person that hit me, because the whole video was me just crying about, like, I don't think people realize how bad this is. Like, I think the rest of the community, like the straight community, are just kind of living their life and do not literally understand what is happening right now and how scary this is. And just watching my rights just be just eliminated and watching lies and the propaganda and the blatant lies that go against science, that go against reality, the existence. Like, they literally debate my existence and I'm right in front of you. I am in front of you, in your flesh, and you're trying to say gay is not a thing. So like, we don't need to debate my existence because I'm here. I am a gay existing. So I'm now back in this society and really feeling this fear of violence. And so I do this cry video, basically giving up, but also pleading for like any sign to be like, keep fighting. And this one person just said, please do this for the kids, like for my kids. Like I have kids, they need to see you. And I was like, okay. And so then I went gay and then I was there. I did my hair. I cut my hair hair off and just started to be more gay again and started to present more as gay. And at the same time, pride happened to be coming up. And I was like, hmm, I'm seeing 
my allies, like my family and people around me getting really relaxed and thinking everything's okay and not understanding that the fight is needing it more because we're about to lose things that we've just gained and it's so much harder once you lose them to get them back. And so I was like, I'm going to going to do drag story time and I'm going to call people out. And I was hoping to call my allies out and I purposely kept my identity secret. So we did this announcement and a part of that was for my safety because I don't want people around this area to have a month to plot against me personally. I, I started to keep files of things on Facebook because I was like, you know, anything that looked like it might be trying to invoke violence or physical something. So I do this, I do this announcement and I must admit, I was a little overwhelmed with how quick hate came and how hard it came and with such vengeance and with such fire so much fire and so wrong. And part of me sat back and part of me laughed and part of me cried because I was like, you guys walked right into my trick. It was so overwhelming. And so then by the time I realized what was happening, because I basically asked the pride organizers, please just keep me in the dark. And then seeing that the, that this petition is being handed out in the community and I'm just like oh my gosh like the wording of it were just like pedophile and it was so vile and so wrong and that was the thing that I was like you are literally chasing monsters right now that don't even exist and so as soon as I saw that I immediately because I went out and started on public posts that were raging against this event because what they were seeing was drag performers were only like men dressing as women and reading to little children and that they're from out of the community strangers and they're bringing the strangers into the community and putting it onto their children in, in the libraries and in, in the schools. They were handing out things at schools, elementary schools, I believe, maybe the high school, I don't know. Oh, I didn't know that. And I just was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and so I finally came out and I was literally like, A, I'm local. I am your neighbor. We are going to have to live together when this event is over. I may be helping you on the side of the road when you have a flat tire. You might be helping me on the side of the road if I have a flat tire. I am not a stranger. You can come talk to me. I'm not whatever monster. I'm a registered social worker. I am, I mean, gender fluid was beyond them, but female presenting registered social worker reading to a public, large, all-age group invite open to the public at pride and in this case i was going to be dressed as a pirate i don't even think they could even understand it could have been a local like it was like gay doesn't exist in this community right and i'm like i know you're working really hard at that and you're making all your kids leave because i had to leave yeah and do you want that do you want to lose your family do you want to have your kids move away because you can't make the gay go away but that intimacy moment to deny that to people to deny them the gift that they get to have every day. It just seems so cruel. Like, why does it have to be a thing? Yeah. And that was the thing that, to me, was literally talking about the pride. A professional performer, registered social worker, reading, you know, fairy tales. What? Just because of something that you think I do or don't do. I'm not doing it then, but you think I, you think I might be thinking it means I can't be out in public, means I can't be a presenter, means I can't be a performer. Like the amount of 
genitalia discussions I've had to have with straight people <laughs> about me reading to children. I'm like, I don't ever want to hear about children's genitalia ever. Like that is so disturbing to me. Like I don't even understand the amount of trauma that an individual has to have experienced in their life to make something non-sexual sexual. Like to me, that shows such a deep-rooted trauma and I ache for that person that lives in such a sexualized world that everything is about sex. Like I, as a person, have such strong connections, intimate connections with people that are not physical. Like those were the connections that I finally understood with the queer community, was those deep emotional connections that I just could not have with my straight partners. And that is it. Like I don't ever, ever have to have sex and I'm still gay. Like sex is just the, the one element of it. You know, like it, it's it's such a small, small element of it. And, and it just floors me. And again, I can only think of, again, because of the culture of the straight patriarchy of like sex and masculine and power over, their brains must just not be able to even comprehend that equal play mm -hmm. in that room and that and that sex isn't the be-all end-all and that was my thing that I said at the town meeting when I sat down and I was just like just because you feel fear does not mean there's anything to be fearful of like mm -hmm. that meeting was a lot and some major connections were made out of that I was able to continue in some dialogue after the fact with some of the concerned citizens that had brought the petition forward and a couple, another person and it was amazing and then unfortunately so much has been going on that I've just not been able to keep those connections going at the moment but I am ever hopeful that I will be able to kind of get my second wind and, and go for but the energy draining that was happening and then just the being able to make these connections with humans what I was with doing the drag story time was I was trying to bring out the monsters that don't exist and was trying to be like, hey, okay, this is the this is what you feared and this is the reality. And I wanted that on both sides. Like I also was wanting the queer community to also, like nothing was gonna make me stop that event. Like literally I was preparing for death because I already was not feeling so great to be on this planet anyway. So it's just like, if this is how I need to make my mark and stand, and I'm so stubborn, you can try to scare me away from this. I grew up in your town. I grew up in this community. I was bullied and beaten so much out of my life that I'm just like, you can't do anything to me because I am now an adult. I am now by choice, standing here by choice, which means I could choose to leave. <laughs> Whereas a child, I didn't have that choice. And so like, I've got that Northern fight in me as well. And I still have hope, but I definitely worry about that momentum like what's their incentive to keep these dialogues going right because at the time it was there to protect the community where now it's kind of the immediate threat has passed but again their eagerness and willingness to engage in those discussions and to continue after was huge because what I was showed them and what I knew if I could talk to them I knew I could show because what I do good at is showing our commonalities is showing our humanness to each other uh, that I wanted that to then spread out and 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 that was exciting to me and so powerful we owe it to our community to like to share this healing that's happening right now because it genuinely was a human connection like we genuinely there was a care mm -hmm. and I truly felt that and and I felt for them as well and and just reminding them of of that small townness mm -hmm. is really what helped us connect
Yeah. And that's why I came back to this community. Why I was done in Victoria. Yeah, I had this queer community down there, but there was no loyalty to me. I could be disposed of immediately. Up here, people get in your business. Which, you know, you don't always want, but it turns out Sundays, it's really nice to mm -hmm. know that on those days when you need them, they're going to be there for me. And I knew that. And I was able to say that to them. Like, I go, I know that we can disagree at this time. And I know that when I go out of there, that our geographical isolation had, has made a sense of community that you have to look out for each other because there isn't anybody else there. And if they are, they're hours away, right? That, that sense. And so that was that commonality. It was that, that small townness, that, that sameness. But yeah. How's that? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, I'm going to cry. Right? <laughs> I have such hope. I just, I, I really do. In this community with, I, I've been trying to connect with the, with the religious community since I got back here and I've been reading the Bible and I'm just trying to find ways to just connect with their humanness because I, I saw down south, I saw how quickly and easily my left side could become extreme, how my left side stopped listening, how we isolated, how we ostracized. I was dating a partner for a few years that I realized I couldn't bring them to meet my queer friends because they were too rednecky. They wouldn't say the right thing and they would have been picked on, like not in a nice way, like would have been berated about their horrible oppressiveness. And I'm like, this is a little queer that like, this is all they know about being gay. They don't have your inside language. And I, I, I got really protective of that. And so then when I was kind of coming back north and making my connections with the people I was connecting with in this community, like allies and fellow queers, I knew these guys would have more loyalty than my other queers. And so I was willing to come back to this town with the understanding that I wouldn't be as alone and yet, surprisingly, I'm very alone. Yeah. And yet, not alone. Mm -hmm. And yet alone. <laughs> I, was like, I, just, I don't know what I was. We're all like, alone together. Together, alone, <laughs> separated. And I am excited to see that since coming back, like, I am gay up the north. I'm yes. working hard at it. Yes. I'm working hard at it. And I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to keep gaying it up. I feel in particular, and Smithers has strong connections. I feel there are a lot of very influential people, in particular more on the right side and in the religious community, that I feel really could help make an uh, impact on a greater community. And, and I feel that, like me and my stubbornness, that there's some amazingly stubborn you know, people here that are more, on the, more to the right politically. And, and I think that, that that could be where allyship could be, that, that there can be fighting for difference, because, yeah, the small town community, I just feel like, especially when I say, like, when I see the pride and I see so many allies, like, I just, it gets so warms my heart. Because down south, it's not the same. Like, pride really was, like, I think straight. It's maybe getting better, but initially, like, you, we didn't actually want you. <laughs> it was like, actually, it's like, you don't need to come. But here, it was like, please come. Yeah. Please come, allies. Please come and please, and please come, yes. Police, yes, you please come as well. Oh, and churches, yes, you please come as well. Where these are all systems of such oppression that down south, like we just aren't wanting the RCMP there because of their historical atrocities to the minority populations. And, and the same with this understanding of, of the churches against the queer community. And yet up north, I was like, we need this so that the people that are here can understand that the mainstream is on 
our side. They see we exist. They know we are existing. They have come to the understanding of our existence once again, because I'm assuming there's been other cultures and times where we've come to understand our existence because we just are here. <laughs> it's science. It's science, baby. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. but it's science. So that's why I did the thing. It was a lot. And I'm exhausted by it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm still alive and I wasn't burned at the stake. It was uh, so fucking badass, River. <laughs> like, oh my God, we, this is why we need you here. Like, you have such incredible capacity <laughs> and depth for this sort of thing that, like, you know, as much as I can want all the things that you're saying, like, I don't have it. Like, we need you. <laughs> yeah. Because a lot of the conversations I've had with people for this podcast have been really a lot of them have been really positive which I really appreciate and gives me a lot of hope like I have been learning so much about people's joy and you know to have some frank real talk about the shit as well mm-hmm. but there's motivation mm-hmm. like <laughs> you, yeah. I know you're tired and exhausted, yeah. but I also hear... I still got so much fight in you me. You got so still. much fight oh, in yeah. you, and... Yeah. Like, I need that. Yeah, I'm exhausted without my depression. Yeah. And I was... I, I fought hard when I had my depression for the 10 years. I was in a clinical depression, so to me, this is nothing. <laughs> <laughs> this is nothing. And part of me, I just get such drive from it, too, right? Like, it was just mm-hmm. such this amazing, motivational empowering I just was so it took all of this fear and I could just I put it into something and I I made it public and I just was like this private wound is now going to be public and Mm -hmm. I know that other people were experiencing it internally I knew other queers were alone in their home watching this happen and I was wanting their people and their allies and their family to take notice and to be like wait we see it too and it did. It, it did it. It served its purpose. It, mm-hmm. it made it really public, really fast and mm-hmm. really hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We witnessed, um, you know, some performative allies were yes. revealed. Yes. Um, yes. Yep. We, yep. Know, we know now. Yep. Performative allies, definitely. And mm-hmm. I think the thing that made me the saddest, though, is people didn't realize why there wasn't a huge protest at the festivals because of the discussions I'd had previous. And I just felt so disappointed that I wasn't able to relate to the queer community, what was happening Mm -hmm. because all the queer community saw was the scare and the fear and the anger and the vileness. And they didn't get to see that there is compassion for people. Even the people that had signed the petition, there was compassion for them. Um, And that there was potential hope there. Yeah. I have to ask you the question that oh. I've been asking everyone. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. What brings you queer joy? Fighting. Fighting. <laughs> <laughs> fighting. <Some brand. laughs> Advocacy. Advocacy for my queer community brings me such joy. It's what I did down south. Like, I was part of the movement that has brought in the gender what's that called the training where you learn about the gender gay stuff what's that called gender diversity Uh, yeah like all the language and all that kind of stuff like that was I was that was me that was me yeah that was part of that like I was part of the people that developed the material that then was going to be sent out to the hospital sent out to the other community members and so to be able to be part of that was amazing 
Yeah. That's the, awesome. The allyship that fighting for the underdog, the just challenging the presumed assumptions of ex- societal expectations. So I love the queerness. Hell yeah. <laughs> so I think that. Yeah. And animals. Oh, yes. And when I was having it, sex. <laughs> I liked it. Yeah. R.I.P. <laughs> good stuff. Oh, maybe one day. Yeah, right? I just kind of just don't even have it there anymore. I think I've just like shut off a button like I'm very rarely attracted to people anyways like I said I crush on everybody but like where there's an actual like it's Mm -hmm. very rare yeah (laughs) I feel like my best luck like if I can push polyamory then I can get some intimate relationships without having to have the committal right that's why I like like I'll be the third wheel right (laughs) I don't want to be your main one you go have your family go do family stuff and then we get to play once in a while that's what I want to do. So yeah, so if I can get playing with people, I'll be good. <laughs> Big thanks to my guest, River Wild. This podcast is presented by the Balkan Valley Concert Association and funded through the Canada Arts Council. Hosted by me, Robin, and edited by Pamela Hassan. Big thanks to CICK, Smithers Community Radio for recording support, Maddie J for the theme song, and Carmen Redenante for collaborating with me on the artwork. Big thanks to CACK Smithers Community Radio for recording support. Oh, and quick response, including who's your secret crush? Be specific. Oh, it's River Phoenix. It has been forever. (laughs) Amazing. I have a look. It's lesbians that look like River Phoenix. (laughs) 